Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Today, we're dissecting the latest buzz about what the Giants are going to do at number two in the draft and how that could affect the Broncos. And we'll take a look at some of the interesting names that remain unsigned on the free agent market. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. 247 Sports, CBS Sports Digital. Wow, Bob, that feels a little bit different. I'm used to seeing Scout Media. Scout doesn't exist anymore. We're moving over to 247 Sports, uh, which is all under the CBS Sports Digital umbrella, and it's just changes. It's exciting, but it's changes. Of course, Bob Morris is my guest today, Mile High Huddle contributor and salary cap analyst. Uh, What's new in your neck of the woods, my friend? Well, with my own job, I... My own job going, my real life job, I should say, we've been uh, just kind of switching over into what is known as the spring sports season, namely baseball and softball. But of course, uh, along with uh, kind of keeping tabs on that job and trying to keep tabs uh, with the Broncos, of course, the NFL draft, it's just a... it's just about a little a little less than two weeks away. So right. kind of hard to believe we've already gotten to that point. Time flies. And, you know, it's weird because when the season is going and there's games to be played, that's the – as a fan, that's that's one of the funnest times on the calendar as far as football goes because, you know, the games are going on, it matters, it's exciting and all that. But as a content creator, as a writer, as an analyst, my favorite time of year starts from January – up until the NFL draft, and even a little bit after the NFL draft, because we get to go back and kind of break down the new additions to the team and all that. But there's something about the roster building and the, the unknowns of the offseason that I think makes it so much more fun for writers like us to really sink our teeth into different topics and tropes and speculation and see where it all leads. Oh, yes, absolutely, especially because – you take a look at the past few seasons, and you and you and you look at some of the players that uh, the Broncos, in particular, bring in, and some of them you don't necessarily think much about at the time that they were brought in, but right. then you see what they do during the season, and they turn out to be great additions. I think there's no better example than uh, the Mato Peco mm. last year when he signed. People kind of were thinking, you know, well, what's so special about him? Then we watched <laughs> him play this year, and he right. was one of the bright spots on the team. Yeah. Yeah, you could even go take that back a little bit further, too. To, I mean, when Darian Stewart was signed, I remember doing a film piece at Mile High Huddle just kind of breaking down some of his, uh, you know, his last year with the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, I was stoked on the signing. I thought it was solid. I thought it was good. But I had no idea he would end up becoming a Pro Bowl caliber player and, of course, playing such a key role on that Super Bowl 50 squad. So it is just – it's one of the fun times of the year. And, and the Huddle Up podcast, listen, we – 
love deep diving this time of year on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. But we do need your help. We need you to take some time. Do your duty as a religious listener of the show and rate us on iTunes. Leave a creative review. I don't care if it's Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening to the show. Just take a second and leave a creative review. It's absolutely pivotal in helping huddle up to to grow, to reach new listeners, and it also allows us the opportunity to hear your thoughts. And even if they're criticisms, you know, we like engaging with you and seeing how you're enjoying the show. Follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Find Mile High Huddle on Facebook and Twitter. Pretty easy to find. And make sure you're subscribing because the draft, as Bob just mentioned, it's coming up soon. It's going to be here before we know it. And we're still going to have so much stuff to drop some knowledge on. And you're not going to want to miss a single episode. Now, before Bob and I get into today's topics of discussion, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor of today's show, Audible. You guys get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You get over 180,000 different titles to choose from, whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash huddle up. And as listeners know, and maybe some of you are new to the show, I'm a voracious reader. I love to read, but I don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books that I want to read. But what's cool about Audible is that I can get these books under my belt without necessarily taking the time to sit down and do it. And I can do it while I'm listening to other things or doing other things, I should say, whether I'm out, you know, on commutes or in the gym or in the kitchen or in the yard. So it's a great opportunity and it's a phenomenal uh, chance for you to get a free book. Try it for 30 days. See if it's up your alley. I mean, you're listening to the podcast, so it kind of makes sense that you really like the audio medium. I think you'd really enjoy Audible and we're giving you a chance through Huddle Up to get that free book and a 30-day trial. So go to audibletrial.com slash huddle up, support the show by supporting our sponsors. All right, Bob, so as we inch closer to the NFL draft at the end of the month, more and more reports are coming out um, that kind of help us to get a bead on or forecast what to expect at the top. And this is all kind of new territory. I mean, 2011, the Broncos were in the top two, obviously, but... Since Elway came to town, it's it's an alien thing to be you know drafting in the top ten. Broncos fans and and those of us who cover the team, we're used to the Broncos picking at the very bottom of the first round. So this is a new experience, and it's kind of interesting to see how things are shaping up. And we know, for example, Cleveland at number one is expected to take a quarterback, um, likely Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. And then the next threat to thin the quarterback curve for the Broncos are the Giants at number two. Then you have the Jets, who traded up with the Colts at number three. And we know they're going to take a QB. That's why they traded up. And then I'm guessing that selection, just from what I've heard, is either going to be Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield, depending on how the board shapes up. And then Cleveland again at number four, so long as they don't trade back. But all signs currently point to John Dorsey, the former Chiefs GM, who's now in Cleveland standing pat at number four. And then we have the Broncos. Now I'm setting the stage here, Bob, because we want to analyze this recent report that came from Paul Schwartz of the New York Post that says the Giants are unlikely to take a quarterback at number two overall. The Giants brass apparently still believe they have a window uh, to compete with Eli Manning, and they want to add a blue chip player at the top of the draft that they feel like is going to help them return their team to a competitive edge in the NFC East. And while I wouldn't say 
that uh, you know we need to take reports like this with a grain of salt. I do think that we need to keep in mind that teams do send smoke screens up like this as kind of a means to leverage their position in the draft. However, unless New York had designs on trading back, which I doubt, they don't really have a position to leverage because they're so high at number two. You know, it's like a couple years ago when it was the the, the Rams and the Eagles that wanted two. We kind of had a feeling we didn't necessarily know who's going to be one or who's going to be two, but we knew they were both going to end up taking a quarterback. And with this being that it's the Giants are saying that they're going to back out of the quarterback game, that could, Bob, if this report is true, mean that the Broncos' odds of getting either Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or at worst maybe even Sam Darnold go up exponentially at pick number five. Yeah, that, there is certainly some truth there to that. I will say that uh, based on the reports that I'm hearing, I'm kind of having my doubts that uh, Darnold is going to fall that far down. We heard at one point, there's one point that I heard that the Browns, of course, they've been linked to Darnold for some time, but that there was a report that the Giants were not simply bowing out of the quarterback race, but that they looked at Darnold was really their guy. If they're going to take a quarterback, that was their guy. and then, of course, you heard some talk that uh, the Browns might go to Josh Allen. But it's from, from all practical purposes, it sounds like Sam Darnold's going to be the Browns pick at number one. Who knows how that could change in the coming days. But getting to your point between Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield, yeah, it does certainly improve the chances that one of those two could be there for the Broncos when they pick at uh, number five the only thing to kind of watch though is what happens with the cleveland browns because they are interested in bradley chubb that's been uh right i know that eric treckle has mentioned this i know that benjamin albright has mentioned this that they expect that what the browns want to do is go sam donald number one and then if bradley chubb is there at number four they want to take him to pair with miles garrett so mm-hmm. if the giants decide they want to go with bradley chubb you know there's been I know they've been linked to Chubb. They've been linked to Saquon Barkley. Right. So if they go to uh, Bradley Chubb at number two, then that opens the door for the Browns to consider moving back. And the Buffalo Bills, of course, Mm. we know they've been wanting to move up to go get a quarterback. And then the only question there depends on who's left after the Jets make their selection. And that uh, I know we've heard they've been linked to Josh Allen. They've been linked to Josh Rosen. So – there's still that uh, that uh, the Giants right now. I kind of think are kind of the wild card in all of this because what they do at number two is really going to de- is really going to determine what happens at the rest of the board. Right, and we're hearing also I've heard anyway that uh, the Jets, of course, they brought in Baker Mayfield in for a visit this past week, and you know they're they they could be in on Mayfield, and it's just kind of crazy to think about. I mean, he is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, but. It's just kind of crazy to think back to before the Senior Bowl. Baker Mayfield was viewed as maybe a late first-round pick, likely early second-round caliber quarterback because of his size limitations. And he doesn't – you know, he's got the requisite arm strength and arm talent that you need, but he doesn't have the strongest arm to – and he's not – I mean, he's mobile, but he's not like Russell Wilson athletic when you think about guys of his size, you know, He's always going to be compared, for example, to the Drew Breeses and the Russell Wilsons of the world, and he's kind of a balance in between the two of them. He's not as mobile as Russell Wilson, but I think he's a better natural thrower of the football than uh, than Russell Wilson, which kind of makes him seem a little bit more like Drew Brees. But back then, though, what I'm saying, what I'm getting at, though, is Mayfield, through the senior bowl process, the combine, his pro days, 
and just teams really starting to get a feel for this kid. He has been, he has leapfrogged and catapulted all the way up into the top five conversation, like legitimately. And it would not surprise me, Bob, to see the, the Jets take Baker Mayfield at number three. But for me, look, it comes down to this. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't, I don't know that we've addressed this, you and I uh, together, this particular topic, Bob. But for me, if the Broncos have a chance at one of the top three, which to, for me does not include Josh Allen. So if they have a shot at number five, at Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, or Josh Rosen, I think they have to take a quarterback. However, if a quarterback, any of those three are gone, what are your thoughts on the Broncos taking Josh Allen at number five? I'm not on board with that one. I think Josh Allen is basically, it's another Paxton Lynch situation, except Mm. Allen is getting touted higher than Lynch for reasons I don't really understand. (laughs) When you look back at the 2015 draft and Paxton Lynch, the bulk of scouts and, you know, most of what you heard about Paxton Lynch was that he was worth a late first round pick, but there was some talk that he might go. You know, for example, they thought the Browns, given where they traded down, that they could be in play to take him because of the need for quarterbacks. And then I think the Jets were the only other team that some were speculating. And that seemed to be more about mock drafters who were looking at the Jets and saying they need a quarterback. They'd probably go with Paxton Lynch. Cowboys, too. Cowboys were in on that as well. Oh, yes, exactly. But. But when you look at where the Broncos and the Cowboys were at, the Cowboys, right, right. of course, they drafted in the top five. And, of course, we know they took Ezekiel Elliott and how that worked out. They were trying to come up late in the first round to get him. The Broncos, of course, we know they moved up a few spots in the first round to get uh, Paxton Lynch. So they, they basically took him about where he should have gone. And then you look at the college stats. Paxton Lynch was a far more accurate passer particularly in his junior season than Josh Allen was. And Mm -hmm. I'm just not really seeing where this is coming from, why Josh Allen, why so many teams think he's worth that high of a pick when he is not as accurate of a passer. He's basically got – he's got – I guess it sounds like they're doing this is because Paxton Lynch didn't play in what was a traditional drop-back offense, and he's not really a traditional drop-back passer. Right. And Josh Allen is. And I don't think that alone makes Josh Allen worth a top five or mm. a top ten pick. To me, he's more of a mid to late first round guy. He's but you've got teams that I've heard Arizona is supposedly really big on him. The Bills are that attached to him as the Cardinals are, but they are certainly interested in him. And of course, the Bills only have A.J. McCarron right now, so they may be a little more desperate to try to find a player that uh, they can mm-hmm. have to compete alongside McCarron. But but from my vantage point, if Josh Allen is the only quarterback there, right. and I was thinking trade down if you can. If not, go somewhere else and find another player. Well, that kind of leads me to the next topic here that I wanted to dissect, which is – you know, let's say those three guys are gone at pick five. What do the Broncos do? Now, Nick, Carl, Eric, they've been talking a lot about the top five of the draft, trying to project what's going to happen and, you know, what Denver's best non-QB options are should it come to that. But I want to talk about an issue. I want to get your thoughts on this, Bob, that's kind of sticking in my craw. It's a little bit – it's kind of become a, a burr under the saddles, if you will. But first, I kind of got to back it up. For the longest time, I was of the opinion that taking a running back in the first round, as a rule, was a mistake, uh, let alone in the top five. However, 
the last few years really have changed my perspective. And while I still believe that, you know, you want to, as a rule, avoid taking running backs in the first round, considering that the depth of the position that the college ranks keeps cranking out year after year. But there's always exceptions to that. And we've seen how, you know, you mentioned Zeke Elliott. We've also seen how Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, how these running backs, young running backs, have reshaped their respective teams. And all those guys were top 10 picks with Elliott and Fournette both being taken at number four, of course, in their respective drafts. Now, to me, this this is, you know, there's an exception to this rule in the 2018 draft class, and it's Saquon Barkley. First, though, understand, I'm not advocating for the Broncos to pass up on the quarterback they want in order to take Saquon Barkley, but let's say that Darnold, Rosen, and Mayfield, they're all off the board uh, within the top four, and then it comes down to Denver taking either Josh Allen or a non-quarterback blue-chip caliber talent, I would take Saquon Barkley. Now, Bradley Chubb is the only prospect at five that would, you know, I, I, give me pause anyway. I'm, I'm, I still don't know for sure which one I would take, but if Bradley Chubb were there, it would be a real dilemma. But other than Chubb, you know, and as you mentioned, there's a good chance Chubb's going to be gone either at two or four anyway. Um, but other than Chubb, for me, it comes down to Barkley. And I published a piece on this topic a few days back. It went viral, generated a lot of engagement. I found myself in a lot of conversations with people on Twitter. And the idea, Bob, that the Broncos could miss out on the quarterback of their dreams, but still come away with Saquon Barkley as a consolation prize. To me, that seemed like a pipe dream. But the way things are shaping up, it could very well happen. Now, I'm not saying that the Broncos will take Barkley in such a scenario, but to me, it would be a no-brainer over a guy like Quentin Nelson. As great as he is, you just don't see offensive linemen move the needle for NFL teams. Nick Kendall uh, has uh, been pounding the table on that particular idea that offensive linemen, as great as they can be for a team and as necessary, especially left tackles as foundational pieces for roster building, they just don't move the needle. Derwin James, great safety out of FSU. He's a possibility there. Even Roquan uh, Roquan Smith, the great off-ball linebacker at Georgia, I still would take Saquon Barkley. So let me ask you this, Bob. Let's say the top three quarterbacks are gone by the time the Broncos go on the clock. Let's say Bradley uh, Chubb goes to Cleveland at number four, and you're not trading back. Okay, You can't trade back, whatever, whatever it might be. You have to make a selection. Who would you pick if you were running the Broncos' war room? Well... I'm kind of been gone back and forth about this whole sort of thing. And to me, it's, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, looking at uh, how, whether or not a running back is truly somebody that dominates the game. And I was spending time looking at some of the backs that were taken in the past couple of seasons, Leonard Fournette, right. you know, he had a quality season, but he averaged less than four yards of carry. So, he obviously he did some good things for the Jaguars. Don't take get me wrong about that, but he wasn't the type of a back that I thought really dominated the game. Yeah, I agree. But then you go two seasons earlier, and I know a lot of it, I know there were several people, myself included, who were kind of surprised that the Cowboys went with Ezekiel Elliott when they had some other team needs elsewhere. But it turned out they were right. He wasn't just a good running back. He wasn't just a great running back. He dominated. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry as a rookie, and that's just yep. – he was truly the type of running back that could transform that offense. And this past season, I know he missed six games with the suspension. That or that whole deal went back and forth with the NFL mm-hmm. and uh, its con- conduct policy. And then, of course, the Cowboys, they lost several linemen to injury, but Elliott still managed 4.1 yards per carry. 
So right. Right. he still was putting together, despite the Cowboys having some issues on the offense, was still able to put together a great season. And then you go Todd Gurley the year before. Of course, his stock got hurt a bit because in college he was coming off an injury. Right. Then, of course, his season, he put together a very strong season. The next year, his production went down. He was like, I believe it was 4.6 yards per carry as a rookie. Then it went down to 3.6. Thanks to Jeff. And, <laughs> yeah, and of course, yeah, and of course, there's a lot of issues behind that. But to right. me, I really want to take a look at a running back to see if this is the type of player who, if worth a top five pick or a top ten pick, is this the type of back that you think, that can overcome just about any deficiency that's out there. Ezekiel Elliott, to me, has that. I don't think Leonard Fournette is that type. I'm not saying he's Agreed. a bad player. He's a good player, quality player, but I don't think he's the type that really took that offense. And that's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he's the type that could have overcome, say, if Blake Bortles had another bad year, I don't think Fournette's good enough to overcome that. Well, not only that, but he can't freaking stay healthy. You know, that's that's the big knock with Fournette is, I mean, I think he barely got over 1,000 yards. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Bob, but but he just he missed a couple, a, a few games, and, and uh, he's great on first and second down, but he's not a three-down back like Zeke Elliott and Todd Gurley. And I think with Saquon Barkley – I honestly believe that he can be a running back better than any of those three guys. Like, I think he could step in right away, and you would see a Broncos offense just start putting points on the board. Because not only can he, uh, you know, pound the rock between the tackles, but he can get to the edge. You know, he can uh, – you can roll him out in three wides. You can have him play the slot. You can have him, you know, run routes out of the backfield. I mean, there's so many things he can do. And I honestly think that he has a chance to be – a generational talent in the vein of like a Ladanian Tomlinson who went to the Hall of Fame. Now, that's way too early to, you know, really try and, and pigeonhole that type of potential, but I think it's it's there for him. I think that the Broncos, if they took, they used that fifth overall pick, because let's face it, you're you know, they can't miss. Whatever they choose to do at number five, they cannot miss. It has to be a foundational piece that the team can build on, similar to Von Miller. So to me, Saquon Barkley checks – I think he's one of the safest options, honestly, because Quentin Nelson, as great as he could be, he has, he has the caliber to be you know, perennial all-pro. He's not going to move that needle. A guy like Von Miller came in with the number two overall pick, immediately dropped ten and a half sacks, made an impact, turned that uh, defense into something that could you know, help uh, complement what Tim Tebow's limitations were on the field in 2011. And then we really saw Miller take off in 2012 and I think you could see a similar type of impact with Saquon Barkley not only as a rookie uh, you know complimenting Case Keenum and making up for some of the deficiencies on the Broncos O-line but as the years go on taking pressure off the quarterback situation because Case Keenum's only under contract two years the Broncos still might find a way to get a quarterback this year there's Chad Kelly if they don't get a quarterback in the first round that probably means that Paxton Lynch is still going to stick around to compete and see what happens there so i just think that he gives Saquon Barkley gives the Broncos more of a chance to capitalize right away on that draft pick get some results right out of the gates the only catch to it bob is you got maybe a 4 to 8 year window 8 years at max where this is going to be a prime player and you just got to hope and pray that as running backs go that the wheels don't fall off yeah, there's always that concern there. And 
the other concern, of course, is that you, you know when I was going over the contracts that were being handed out for uh, running backs and trying to sort out. Because what I always do when I look at contracts, I always sort out the rookie contracts because those are pretty much set in stone. They're basically the NFL sets the pay scale for the draft picks and the rookies, and they basically have to take what they get rather than veterans who negotiate a deal. And right. it was interesting because you look at the top, the highest paid running backs, honestly, are the. Uh, are are the rookie running backs. You know, you look at Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott and their average salaries. I mean, they are getting salaries that are beating out a bunch of veterans. And I think that's that's kind of uh I guess the, I guess there the question is, you know, if, if if teams think that they can get similar production out of uh other veteran backs at a lower cost, then they tend to want to go that way. And, you know, and getting to where the Broncos are, I think, you know, we understand that they feel that Devontae Booker, that he they think he can be a very good player. And, uh, you know, of course, as, as a rookie, he showed that he really wasn't ready to handle the load. But then his uh, second year, you know, he had the uh, the uh, the injury to his forearm that uh, right, yeah. kicked him out of the preseason. But then as he got into the season, I noticed that he was slowly getting better. He was getting more confidence. And I think there's definitely some potential there for him. And I know one of the, the the boxes he checks off is that he's a pretty solid pass catcher. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel Henderson, that's the guy I really wish I could have seen more of. You know, we and we've talked about this about Oh yeah. They should have uh, probably let Jamal Charles go sooner and got Daniel Henderson out there and gotten him some work. I tend to think that to me, Booker and Henderson, that's an intriguing pairing to put in there. And I'd be interested to see what these guys could do together. And then if they can find, you know, if there's a veteran back out there who can kind of help in the mix, then that might be good. Or back that they find later in the draft, that might be good too. So, and it's kind of the same thing along the lines about a guard, you know, I mean, guards, of course, they don't really move the needle as much. Running backs don't necessarily move the needle. I guess it basically kind of boils down to how confident you are that uh, Booker and Henderson can be the duo that can really, you know, that can take that step to the next level yeah. and be a pairing that can do, you know, maybe not dominate the game, but be carry the load. But, 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 but yeah, but are able to be good to great backs who, can, you know, who keep defenses honest and, and don't, and don't, who keep defenses honest and they don't just play a certain way against the Broncos. Right. Well, that's the you you brought up the big argument against taking Saquon Barkley aside from the durability concerns of running backs, you know, in the 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 length of their uh the shelf life they have in the NFL, but that is that the cost. And this is something that Nick Kendall has brought up to me on more than one occasion that yeah, you know, Saquon Barkley's a great player, one of the top prospects in this class, but the Broncos take him at pick 5, suddenly they have one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL who's never even stepped on an NFL field yet. And so obviously you take a Saquon Barkley, you're getting rid of C.J. Anderson. I mean, C.J. Anderson's either taking some kind of a vet minimum deal or he's hitting the road if you take Saquon. But but see, and that's the thing is I do feel like he's of a caliber where he's going to earn that money. He's going to justify 
that level of investment on the salary cap, even as a rookie. I think he's a guy that can get you to over 1,000 yards, and I think he can chip in 50 or 60 receptions too, especially now that you got Case Keenum back there distributing the ball. But I kind of cut you off, Bob. You never really got to answer the question. If you, you know, barring a trade back, the three top quarterbacks are gone at number, uh, you know, by the time the Broncos go on the board at five. Before we move on to our next topic here, who would you take? Who's your guy? Well, my gut at this point is to take Quentin Nelson. And even though, as we said, guard doesn't really move the needle, it basically gives the Broncos some peace of mind because even though they like Connor McGovern, there's always the question. We've noticed uh, how much teams are now playing for uh, the top centers in the Mm. league. And that could bring into question about what they do with Matt Paradis. Do they think they can afford to keep him when they've got Bradley Roby up for extension, when they're debating about what, whether or not they exercise Shane Ray's fifth year option or they decline yeah. it and see what happens there. You know, they've going to have some tough decisions to make. So basically getting Nelson kind of gives you that fallback in case you've got a guard that can go in there and start. Then you keep working with Connor McGovern at center. I know they got JJ Dealman and they seem to like him as well. Right. And they, and they re-signed Billy Turner. So then you basically let those three compete to be your, Backup guards, of course, Menelik Watson's still there, and they're thinking about uh, moving him to guard. That, unfortunately, was a situation where the Broncos took a chance and uh, <laughs> contracts come back to haunt him. But long yeah. story short, if they're if they're not sure about Matt Paradis's future, drafting Quentin Nelson gives them a guard, and right. they can take a look at McGovern. They can take a look at Dealman and see can one of these guys be the center instead of kind of being married to the idea that McGovern's got to move into right guard right away. It's fair enough. You know, I would not, you know, there'd be that that slight tinge of disappointment that the Broncos are using a top five pick on a guard, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to complain if the pick ends up being Quentin Nelson because he is one of the very few can't-miss players in this draft. And if you're really breaking down the the Broncos at pick five and all the their, their top three quarterbacks are gone and it's coming down to a – Blue chip, can't miss, non-QB prospect, or Josh Allen, I would take Quentin Nelson over Josh Allen in that scenario. I would prefer Saquon Barkley, but I would not be crying a river over a, a guy with all-pro caliber potential coming in at guard. I mean, if, if you think about that, just real quick before we move on, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on to the next section here. If, you, if Quentin Nelson ends up in the orange and blue, you have Garrett Bowles, Next to him, you have Ronald Leary. You got Matt Paradis at least one more year. Then you've got Quentin Nelson just rocking fools at right guard next to Jared Valdir. Now, you know, you can't uh, hand out any awards based on how offensive lines are shaping up on paper before the season starts, but that would be a pretty fearsome combination when you're talking about a starting five heading into the 2018 season. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, getting to very quickly – you know, Nick Kendall did that piece on Jared Veld here, and I think he's going to have some potential to do some things, especially now that he's got a season under his belt. Of course, the only issue is if he can stay healthy, I think Garrett Bowles can take some steps that right direction. Ronald Leary, he was a bright spot last season. And then Matt Paradis, yep. uh, hopefully he can uh, – I know his uh, he had that hip injury that kind of bothered him last season. Hopefully he'll be back to where he was at the level he was at, at 2016. So, yeah, there's – if. If they get somebody in that uh, guard spot, whether that's Nelson or whether it's McGovern taking steps forward, then 
Bronco fans should probably feel a little more comfortable with what they have on the offensive line. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take a look at some of the top free agents who remain unsigned that the Broncos might want to take a look at. But first, I want to holler at you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber and why now's the time to pull the trigger. Now, here's some breaking news, okay? Mile High Huddle is merging with the Denver Broncos on 247 Sports website. Not only will we have, with this move, greater capacity to stay on top of the news, but it's going to give us more of an opportunity to focus on what we love doing deep diving for our VIP subscribers. Now, with the move, however, comes one small change to our VIP offering. The price is going up. But we have a phenomenal opportunity for you to get your foot in the door right now at Mile High Huddle before that happens. We're giving you your first month of MHH Premium for one American penny. After that, instead of the $5 per month that it's been for the last few years, it's going to be $10 per month. Because we're moving to 247 Sports, though, our VIP benefit package is going to expand as well, as subscribers will get more kickbacks, discounts, and access to things that they're currently not offered. But if you sign up now, you're going to be locked in on the $5 a month rate. Okay, so we're moving over on Tuesday, April 17th. So you have a couple days to capitalize on the old price. Plus, if you use the code FIRSTMONTHMHH at checkout, You'll only pay that one penny for your first month. And listen, our approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news. Mile High Huddle focuses on breaking down the Broncos in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dive player evaluation, and now in the offseason NFL draft and free agency analysis. We save our best and most in-depth content for our VIP subscribers. Now, to become a Mile High VIP uh, just and get access to 100% of our written analysis, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. You can click the monthly or the annual option, and you'll be locked in. From there, everything that we produce, you'll get access to, which includes any inside information we pick up along the way, which this time of year with the draft rolling, this tends to be when we pick up that type of info. Now, we work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web, and we ask for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Now's the time. With this Pennywise offer, you can get that first month for one cent. And some urgency to do this before we merge excuse me, to 247 Sports. So pull the trigger. You have my word. You won't be disappointed. All right, so the Broncos are getting close, Bob, to the salary cap. And the team still needs, of course, to make sure they have some room to sign their 2018 draft class. Now, per over the cap, I just took a quick look at this before we jumped on together here. The Broncos have a little bit more than $10.7 million in available cap space today. But there are ways to massage the cap, and nobody at Mile High Huddle understands that nuance better than Bob Morris. Bob wrote a piece a few weeks back detailing how the Broncos could clear up even more cap space should they need to. And Bob, for the listeners who might have missed that article, uh, you want to just kind of go through some of the Cliff Notes versions of how the Broncos can free up some space real quick? Well, we can start with the obvious one. That's C.J. Anderson, and he's Got uh, $4.5 million in salary, which includes a workout bonus and a base salary of uh, $4.4 million. So if if the Broncos let him go, and I would have to double check on some of the things because they've got, of course, they're starting to do uh, some workouts this, uh, this week, of course. I don't – my understanding is that – that workout bonus comes only if he's completed you know, all the off-season workouts. If it does, 
then that's $4.5 million they can free up if they cut him. Mm. If not, then that's just $100,000 in dead money. It's not a lot of money, but they still get $4.4 million, so right. they'll at least get that much if they're a if they let him go, unless they are able to get him to agree to take a, a salary reduction where they convert base salary into incentives. Right. The second one that they can do is Max Garcia currently has a cap number of about 1.9 million. They can get about 1.9 million in space with just a small dead money charge. If they, if they waive him or if they're able to trade him and he's a player mm-hmm. that I suspect could be, Someone who is uh, made available on draft day and a draft and a draft trade, either up yeah. or down the board. Right. And then there's a couple other moves that they could do that uh, are smaller moves. Uh, very quickly, a, a few players. There's players like uh, Menelik Watson and Darian Stewart, who their base salaries right now are fully guaranteed. But if they are able to work out a trade with another team, there might be a team that's interested in the. Uh, taking one or one or the other mm-hmm. then they could uh, gain some cap space there by trading them and then there are a few other players you know Billy Turner for example he's only guaranteed uh, $750,000 but there's a uh, 1.25 million that uh, would be freed up if he doesn't make the final roster and right. then of course depending on what happens with the quarterback if they trade Paxton Lynch uh, at some point during a training camp that's probably when that would happen you've got the top and then just very very quick the top 51 cutoff that's what's in effect right now once the regular season begins then the 53 man roster plus the practice squad that'll all count toward the caps so right. but there will be some moves that the Broncos will be making so that they're able to accommodate draft picks and still have some uh, breathing room under the cap gotcha Excellent. So the Broncos also do have some remaining roster holes. They weren't, I mean, the trades have been hot and furious for the Broncos this year, which is definitely outside the norm, but the signings have been a little bit few and far between, aside from the big one being, of course, Case Keenum. So there's some holes that remain. The team's going to try and fill as many of them as possible during the NFL draft, but there are a few veteran names to keep an eye on, uh, who remain unsigned. Now, per spot track, let me just list a few of them here that uh, Bob and I, I put a few names here together. Bob put a few names here. But here are some guys that caught my eye off the top real quick. Jonathan Hankins, the big defensive tackle, formerly of the Colts and Giants. The Colts released him unexpectedly uh, just a, a few weeks ago or maybe a month back after paying him a big uh, contract last spring. Then you've got Brian Cushing, the off-ball linebacker, formerly of the Texans, spent nine years there. Of course, the big concern with Cushing is he's over 30, and he's spent he's I think he's uh, endured two separate PED suspensions, the most recent of which was last year. And he probably won't be cheap if you wanted to get a guy like Brian Cushing. But off-ball linebacker depth remains a significant concern for the Broncos roster. Then you have Martellus Bennett, the tight end, formerly of the Patriots, of course. Um, Jeremy Macklin the wideout, formerly of the Chiefs and Ravens and the Eagles. And the Broncos need some kind of uh, sure thing at number three wide receiver. And even though they have high hopes for Carlos Henderson and they still have the trusty Jordan Taylor, they don't really have a sure thing. And I think Jeremy Macklin, although he's not quite the same player he was just a few years ago, could be a serviceable option in such a role. Then we get into a couple of guys who we know – quite familiar with here, Elvis Dumerville, outside linebacker, former Bronco, former Raven, former Niner. I think 
Doomerville would make almost too much sense for John Elway to try and figure out a way to get him back here. Kayvon Webster was surprisingly released by the Los Angeles Rams. He's been recovering from a uh, Achilles. He blew out his Achilles last season. So with all the signings and the trades they did, uh, he ended up being the odd man out. And then two more that I put on here is Navarro Bowman as an option, linebacker, formerly of the Niners and Raiders for about a one to two year period. He was the best off ball linebacker in the NFL, but he's had some serious injury issues and and here we are. And then lastly for me, Sharif Floyd, the nose tackle, defensive lineman, defensive tackle, former first round, high first round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. And then Bob put on here, of course, also Brent Selleck, which is a good add because we know that there's been some uh, possible interest there with the Broncos tight end. Also Mercedes Lewis, tight end. He's getting up there in age, but formerly of the Jaguars. And then Mr. Brown Eyes himself, Eric Decker, the wideout, former Bronco, former Jet, former Titan. He's talked about Bob, Eric Decker, that he would love to come back to Denver. He talked about it on the radio. He would love a, a reunion in Denver, still considers the Mile High City to be his home. But the farther we get into this thing, the less likely it seems like anyway that Decker's going to be uh, someone the Broncos want to bring back. Yeah. Well, just kind of uh, looking at the, some of the names that you went over, uh, we can touch upon. We'll get the former Broncos out of the way. Eric Decker, the main issue is the Broncos are probably looking at somebody who wants to play special teams. And I know Decker in the past has been utilized as a punt returner, but uh, it's – it, was, it sounds like one of those ideas that's nice on paper, but I don't know if it's going to happen from a practical standpoint if they're wanting that uh, right. receiver who can play special teams. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, for that same reason, will get him out of the way. I'm not certain if that's uh, going to happen there. Hmm. Uh, I'll talk, and then Sharif Floyd, I know that my understanding is that he has a pretty significant – there's a significant injury that he – and my understanding is that I don't know if he's recovered from that yet or not. There was talk at one point that uh, some people might wonder if he would ever play again. So that one kind of uh, – that one's kind of – Sharif Floyd is pretty much is an iffy situation. Uh, then briefly as far as uh, Kayvon Webster, my understanding is that was a, a failed physical. So he would have to you know pass a physical in order to for him to come back. I mean, I certainly would be open to bringing back Webster, but he's he's got to show that he's healthy. And then Elvis Zumerville, that's the guy that really intrigues me. I know people want to make a big deal about the uh, Faxgate, but I think that got I think it got blown out of proportion in a way. I think uh, you know, at the time that 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 happened, I saw it more as something that his agent wasn't doing to convey to Doomerville right. as to what he needed to do to make sure that he got that uh, revised contract in in a timely fashion. And we saw what happened. He fired his agent. So <laughs> yeah. I think at the time that it happened, there might have been a bad taste in Elvis Doomerville's mouth. But I think this is a case that time has healed some of the wounds. And I think he would be open to coming back at some point. Yep. You know, If the Broncos need him for a rotational role, I'm sure he would be happy to come back. So he's a guy that I would certainly, you know, keep an open mind about. I would certainly, among the off-ball linebackers, Navarro Bowman, that's somebody I keep an open mind about. I'm not as convinced about Brian Cushing. I don't know if he's got anything left to give. 
And then as far as the tight ends go, Brent Selleck is kind of the guy that tops my list, which is why I put him there. But I also put Mercedes Lewis because he's been linked to the Broncos. Martellus Bennett, that's going to depend about uh, his health because he it, – it was kind of – you know, his health status last season, I guess, was kind of in question. I guess that's why the Packers let him go. Then the Patriots brought him back. But uh, – Right. He didn't really see the field much for them, and then they let him go. So I think maybe it's worth asking with Bennett, are those health issues legitimate? And if they are, then he's probably not an option. If they're not, then he deserves a look. And uh, finally, Jonathan Hankins, that's certainly somebody who would certainly be interesting to bring in, especially with uh, Adam Gotz's status up in the air. If he can go in there and play uh, 3-4 on the 3-4 defensive end, I know that's what he's listed on under over the cap. But he's certainly somebody that I would uh, keep an eye on there. So You know, but, you're right. Uh, on the Sharif Floyd thing, I just did some quick research while you were talking there. And uh, he had a knee surgery a while back and ended up having, a, they call it a botched surgery in Minnesota. And basically what's happening is his he had some nerve, uh, nerve damage where his quad is not firing, and uh, there are some significant misgivings about him ever playing again, uh, unfortunately. And that's just a dang shame, man, because I know that uh, before he had that knee surgery, he wasn't exactly dominating the NFL, but coming out of college, man, that kid was so talented. What a big, explosive player at the point of attack. That's truly a shame for him. But, you know, some of these names here, I think the ones that really, Bob, make the most sense, if we're trying to find a theme here, the ones that make the most sense are the guys that have worn the orange and blue in the past. And I think realistically, too, if you're looking at dollars and cents perspective, and we know the Broncos have to be smart with how they, if they were to sign any any further free agents, they got to be team-friendly deals on some level. I think you could get an Elvis Dumerville who's getting up there in age team-friendly with some incentives. Like, you know, you get to 10 sacks. You get to eight sacks, you get X amount bonus. You get to 10 sacks, you get X amount. You make a Pro Bowl, you get X amount. I think you could get Elvis Dumerville back in Denver with something like that, especially with the idea of him being able to team back up with his uh, little brother, Von Miller, who those two have, have maintained a very close brotherly relationship. Kayvon Webster, I mean, the only question there, Bob, is how much time, how much more time does he need to recover from the Achilles? Because if you can get him back, early, let's say in the first quarter of the season, I would assume you could get him on a relatively team-friendly deal as well. He could come in and not only play number three or number four corner, but all of a sudden turn your special teams back into some kind of you know respectable semblance of what it once was when he was the captain. And then Eric Decker, he would be number three for me on this list of former Broncos that would make the most sense, but he, that doesn't mean he doesn't make any sense. He does make sense for whatever reason. I don't know why. The Broncos just never wanted to keep him. They've just never shown like they valued him all that much. Like when he hit free agency at the end of the uh, 2013 season, they didn't make any overtures to get him back. They just cut bait and let him go. But he knows the city. He knows the team. He's still got contacts. And I think as a number three receiver, he adds value as a guy who can play outside and in the slot. So some of these names are interesting. But honestly, the ones that make the most sense to me, Bob, are the guys who are former Broncos. Yeah, and among the ones that I think make the most sense, you know, Doomerville, he tops the list. Kayvon Webster, if he's healthy, he'd be on the list. But as far as other guys I'd look at, I do think they really need to look at the veteran tight ends. 
And, you know, it's and it's possible those tight ends are trying to find the best possible deal, the best possible situation. Right. And but I think after the draft, you're going to see some movement on a couple of those guys. You know, Brent Selleck, he kind of leads the way there for me. But if not Selleck, then I probably look at Mercedes Lewis. And then the other one that's a possibility, depending on what happens in the draft, you know, Navarro Bowman makes some sense too. Other guys, you know, like we mentioned with Shreve Floyd, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but, he's uh, done. If, that's my bad. But if he if he was available, oh yeah, I I'd love to bring him in. Jonathan Hankins, you know, that's someone that I think it sounds like a nice it would be a nice addition. But I'm kind of wondering if he's going to try to get a seek more money than the Broncos might be able to afford to pay. It's kind of right. like Des Bryant for me, you know, Bryant under normal circumstances, I probably look at him and say, yeah, I'd like to bring him in. But I think Bryant's going to try to look for a little more money than the Broncos would pay. Yeah. Not only that, but they already have a better version of Des Bryant in, and one who's been able to stay healthy and maintain a more consistent level of production as that big-bodied playmaking receiver on the outside into Marius Thomas. And even though DT's slowed down a little bit the last couple of years, I'm, I'm actually quite high on the prospect of him turning it around a little bit in 2018 uh, with Case Keenum slinging the rock and distributing the ball. But listen, hey, we've, uh, we've kind of run out of time here. That's really all we have for today. Big thanks again, Bob, my brother, for joining me on the podcast. Make sure you're following Bob on Twitter, you guys, at Bob Morris Sports. Uh, great football mind, a lot of excellent information on the salary cap. He's always crunching the numbers and making it easy for guys like me to understand. Find me on Twitter, at Chad and Jensen. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter. Hit Bob up on Twitter. We're always going to try to address them uh, there and on the show. And the best way to get direct responses from any of us is to hit us up on the MHH Insiders Premium Message Board. But uh, we're always going to engage with you, our listeners, as often as we can. Don't forget, you guys, to capitalize on the VIP subscription cost before we merge over to 247 Sports on Tuesday. And make sure you're subscribing, y'all. For Bob Morris, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.